Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by Adequest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host of this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we have Brian King joining us. Brian is an assistant vice president at HT Insurance, and he's going to be talking to us about cyber insurance. And many people are probably thinking, what the heck is cyber insurance, and what does insurance have to do with cybersecurity? And Brian's going to tell us about that. But Brian, first off, um, welcome to the show. And maybe could you, before we jump into that topic, just tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, no, and thank you for having me. Um, so as you mentioned, I work for AHT Insurance. I've been in the insurance industry uh, personally myself uh, for about a decade now and uh, came to AHT Insurance with both a wholesale under uh, wholesale broker which is a middleman uh, for those that don't have expertise or market access um, as well as an underwriter background uh, and came to AHT uh, a little bit about AHT is that they are a top uh, they're I think they're in the 80th uh, or in the, I can't remember the number exactly but they're in within the top 100 insurance brokers in terms of size by premium volume uh, which puts them in the top 1% out of all the uh, brokers that are throughout the nation. Uh, they are, and what they are most known for, they focus in six core industry segments, but they are most known for their technology and life science practice, uh, as well as their NGO and government contractors due to our DC office. Um, so okay. join them just because of their expertise uh, in the fields that I was interested in, as well as uh, their reputation in the industry. Awesome. Well, th well, thank you for that. And uh, clearly, you have a lot of experience in this space, and you're working for a firm that um, does a large volume of business and is, is very well known as well. Um, so let's go back to the first question now. What the heck does an insurance, how does that relate to cybersecurity, and why is that important? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like any type of insurance that's out there, cyber insurance, uh, depending on how you use it and how involved you are from an IT perspective, it is a balance sheet protection um, for the company uh, at the heart and soul of it. Uh, and, and that's basically, I mean, as you understand, if you have a breach, there's going to be costs. There's going to be legal costs. There's going to be forensics. Um, there's going to be customer notifications as well as uh, credit monitoring services that you may be obligated to provide to someone. Um, whether or not you have insurance, uh, the law is going to dictate what you need to do for that. Um, and so cyber insurance basically just steps in as the pocketbook to pay those services for you. Now, some folks will actually also buy these because, you know, their IT department may be a little bit smaller um, than someone else, or they may not have the gone through the desktop exercise of what a breach looks like and what does that all involve, um, including getting all those vendors and the public relations folks. So 
in some aspects, the cyber insurance policy can step in and be a resource for uh, both IT as well as CFOs by just having that switch and the vendors and attorneys all aligned to just run the show for you. So do all policies cover all those things that you mentioned? I mean, because that's a, a pretty broad <laughs> <laughs> amount of coverage pretty there. I mean, I, I would love to have a policy like that where I could just apply it. <laughs> hey, I've got a problem and, you know, call the insurance company. But you tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So in particular to cyber insurance, now there have been uh, more and more, it's a very competitive market. So more and more carriers are getting into it. More carriers are trying to differentiate themselves. So they're offering more coverage. Um, from that perspective, uh, in terms of what they're providing to the insureds, it is a, I'd have to go back and remember your question for me, Mark. Um, well, basically are all policies, you know, do they all cover oh, everything? Yeah. Or yeah. do they all cover everything, you know, or is there some, you know, some policies just cover, for example, uh, the you know the, the damages to your reputation, or some of them will uh, cover you know some of the legal costs, or do they do they all cover everything? Yeah, yeah. So, like any contract, every one of these cyber policies are different uh, from insurance carrier. One insurance carrier is not the same as the other. Um, there are coverages that your CFO may not have elected to buy. Um, there's all sorts of different strategies that can be involved there. Um, so, for example, you may have business interruption coverage for the firm in the event of a breach, but you may not have business interruption coverage in the event that uh, we did a software update or one of our dependent softwares uh, did an update and shut our system down. And that can be a big issue for uh, those that have high sales transactions by the hour um so it, it i would i would submit to you that and this is one of the the key issues not all policies are going to cover you for all things between the two and that's why having a, a knowledgeable broker and even uh counsel that has some insurance knowledge uh would be to review those coverages to make sure that they match up with with what you're hoping to accomplish. Yeah, I guess so you want to look at the context um, that your business operates in and your, um, I guess, key vulnerabilities. And, you know, you talk about a company that's doing a lot of high volume transactions. Uh, and if their business are, is down, if their IT is down for their website is down for an hour, it's going to cost them a large amount of money, right? To, uh, in terms of lost orders and sales. So in that case, uh, they probably want to have a policy, I guess, that um, provides some some uh, coverage for, uh, what do you call it, business interruption? Um, yeah, yeah, basically business income. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it depends on how you would be effective and or affected and also how that may occur, right? Like I said, a, a breach can be typically covered, but systems uh, just shutting down, there are some markets that you have to ask for a lot of uh, what we call endorsements or carvebacks to the policies to address those uh, down system issues that aren't a cyber attack. Okay. What about um, ransomware? Uh, you know, you, you're hearing a lot about ransomware attack the, attacks these days where uh, somebody gets fished, they open up, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a, a bad attachment, it delivers some malware and encrypts everything in their, you know, all their data. 
and the company can't operate without data. So then they get a little email that says, hey, guess what? Your data has been encrypted or will be encrypted um, in, the, you know, in, in the next 48 hours if you don't pay this ransom. Uh, do, have you seen any insurance policies that will pay the ransom? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So it's, it's a cover that, again, you, it's something you have to ask for. Um, and depending on what information is being hijacked depends on what policies respond. So without going too deep into the weeds for you, Mark, um, the, I've actually had, I'll give a couple examples. I've had an example of a, of a phishing scam. We'll talk phishing scams and then we'll talk, um, the cyber, what's called cyber extortion cover. Okay. Uh, phishing scam was uh, a CEO was emailed a junior HR person in the firm uh, and asked for the W-2s. And this, I actually had this case happen on uh, three different clients within three days of each other. So it was kind of the new trend. Um, but uh, CEO emailed a junior HR person asking for the W-2s of all the employees uh, belonging to the, uh, to the firm and legitimately CC'd others in the organization in the HR department. The only thing was the email address uh, was fake for the CEO, and as opposed to a .com, it was a .co. Um, and the junior HR person who was new to the company fell for the scam, provided back all the W-2 information, and now we have a what's known as a privacy breach of employee information. And those scams, that's a privacy breach that would just be picked up under a traditional cyber liability policy. Uh, it's technical. Its technical term is privacy breach and network security. In terms of the ransomware situations, we've had them where they've locked down the systems and tried to extort the systems. Um, and that is called a cyber extortion cover. And we do see an uptake, an uptick, uh, not just in our firm, but if you look at the Ponymon studies, if you look at Verizon's, uh, studies, um, et cetera. They, I mean, all of these uh, folks aggregate this issue and show that there was a quite a bit of an uptake within uh, 2017, as example, and it bled over a little bit into 2018. Um, and these coverages can be picked up in a cyber policy. And then if they're extorting for, uh, and the carriers do pay those. And the reason for that is this, they will pay those fees uh, if they have to, to get into the system and secure your data and, and get it back to where they can't go back in and, and lock that system down. The issue that we found uh, some clients have done is their system gets extorted and they say, pay us, you know, a hundred bucks and we will, or a thousand dollars and we will give you back your system. Once you do that, number one, if you have a cyber policy, notify your, regardless of whatever your retention or, or uh, other words, deductible is notify your insurance carrier as soon as you can. Um, because what ends up happening is folks in IT or uh, HR or wherever this is, 
get concerned that they've done something wrong. They've opened this link and now they've, uh, they're just going to pay for it. And it's usually off their personal credit card. Um, and what happens is the folks that have set this up realize we've got you now. And then they allow you in and then they send you another notice that says, okay, now we want a million dollars in, uh, fees from you. And at that point, you've gone down the road where you are just getting in more and more hot water. And so you need that legal forensic, you need the forensics teams to come in there and really get you out of that hot water. That sounds like some really good advice there. Um, I'm wondering, is there any responsibility on the behalf of the company or the organization that is buying the policy to maintain a minimum IT security posture in order to keep the policy uh, in force? <laughs> well, I will say this. Um, because the market is so competitive right now, the, the honest answer to that is no. However, if you don't have the right procedures, and particularly for larger companies, um, if you don't have the right procedures in place, you are limiting what markets will accept you. And that Involve, and that basically creates higher costs um, from an insurance because you are now a uh, more risky operation than somebody who is taking cybersecurity seriously. Well, when you say the right procedures in place, um, can you give some examples? Yeah. Um, so let, let's let, we can put it all throughout uh, the spectrum. I, I don't know anybody, I, and I can't. I'll say this now. I don't know anybody that doesn't have a firewall um, in place in their in their company. Uh, but if you, for example, let's just talk basic monetary crime uh, deals and, and social engineering. If you are don't have procedures where we have so much money that is going out the door and there is not a callback provision because somebody has said they've changed their banking and routing. Uh, some carriers will call that social engineering and some policies will pick that up. Other policies won't because you got tricked out of that money. So there, that's one procedure um, that is a cybersecurity, but also a financial um, procedure as well. But in terms of specific things for um, uh, companies, let's say you're looking for coverage addressing some GDPR. Well, if you're not GDPR compliant, uh, you're going to have a lot more coverages or a lot more carriers and underwriters that are more hesitant to put that coverage into play for you. If you are looking, you do a lot of payment card uh, processing in your firm, meaning debits, credit cards, um, but you are not PCI compliant, then uh, a lot of carriers will say, we are not offering that coverage for you because from their perspective, you haven't put forth the good faith effort to make sure that you are dealing with the compliance and following these procedures that are out there. Uh, why would an insurance company step in and be your pocketbook? Why would they give you money to do that if you aren't making the investment yourself? Okay, so the more dialed in uh, your security operations are, um, you know, the better your security hygiene is, the more carriers will, that you will have available to you. And then that means more competition, so lower premiums, better policies. What about in the case of, uh, let's just say, a company 
has no patch policy and they haven't you know updated any of the patches for um, you know their systems and <laughs> and there's a breach because of a yeah. of a you know out of service uh, patch or a patch that hasn't been implemented. Do, do how does that play out? Do do companies say, hey man, you didn't do your job, so we're not paying, or do they pay but then raise your rates, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. Um, the answer, and I cannot give, I, I won't give carrier names out there, but I will say that there are insurance carriers in the cyber market um, that have a, a failure to maintain your systems exclusion. So in the exact situation that you talked about, they would go to it and say, you haven't updated any patches. You've been running, uh, let's call it a um, Windows XP program um, on your you know, your company computers, you haven't updated anything uh, in quite some time, they will in fact deny a claim based on that exclusion. Ouch. And that's, ouch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing and uh, blame shifted around and ultimately somebody's probably going to lose their job in a situation like that. Right. Um, Somebody didn't read the fine print. So whoever, you know, signed the, the, signed the policy and they didn't inform the, the people that need to be informed. I mean, because you, you know, when it comes to patch policies, you, you sometimes have cross departmental responsibilities, right? Absolutely. I mean, the the other thing is, I mean, and also, you know, the who ends up tends up getting fired as well from an external standpoint is that broker, right? Uh, from an insurance standpoint. But uh, I mean, you've seen it. I think everybody else has seen it. Whenever you have a big breach, uh, the first people that are uh, looked to are the folks in IT. Uh, the next folks that are looked into is the board. Um, I mean, SEC has come out with its own guidance on this. So it is a it is a board level uh, concern for and should be for almost every board that's out there. That's uh, that's a really good observation as well. Um, And, you know, it's not it's not just the IT department's responsibility. Um, It's a team team effort here. Um, Earlier, you mentioned GDPR. And, you know, so far, all the policies that you've been talking about have, uh, you know, we're talking about covering uh, damages related to reputation, uh, legal fees, some, some marketing fees, maybe some IT costs. Um, but GDPR has that in terms of, you know, if there's a breach, you're, you know, you, you've got to fix the problem. You, your reputation is going to take a hit, possibly. But GDPR also has some really, really steep fines, and I think I'm, you know, it's, everybody knows it now. But just, just in case you haven't heard, and you're on some <laughs> remote island someplace, um, you know, if you are processing or controlling data that relates to an EU citizen, then guess what? You will fall under the general data protection regulations that come out of the EU, and you, your firm could be subject to fines up to four percent of annual revenue or 20 million euro, whatever is greater. So how does, does insurance cover those fines? Yeah. So again, this is, I, I've been on panels on this. This is a constant hot topic for any of our uh, clients that have internet. They themselves are international or have international uh, data, particularly into the EU. As far as insurance goes, again, depends on the carrier, um, depends on what they are doing. But the the vast majority of the market uh, will 
when requested, uh, will cover GDPR fines and penalties as well as regulatory defense coverage um, if you have those covers in play uh, for GDPR, but the trigger is the most important part of that, and that is uh, most cyber policies are going to respond to things that occur after a breach. Again, GDPR, we don't know if they're going to come in and audit uh, you all and and just give a fine uh, out as a result of that, uh, kind of like HIPAA audits that occur here in the U.S. Um, or if it's just going to be as a response uh, to a breach. I think that that is still somewhat unknown, at least from the last conversation that I've had uh, with my contacts in the industry for that. And insurance policies, again, if it's resulting from breach, you've asked for it, you got the coverage and the confirmation from the carriers, uh, it will respond for fines and penalties if it's a result of a breach as well as defense from that. But if it's an audit, that's the question. Uh, you should also, not to get too nitty gritty, but you should also look into exclusions in the policy that relate to wrongful collection of data. Those are some great points, and I would really like to continue the conversation. Unfortunately, both Brian and I have to jump off the call right now and run to our next uh, meetings. I didn't keep an eye on the clock. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn this into the first ever two-part podcast on Secure Talk, and we will come back in the next week or so, have Brian back on, and finish up this conversation. He's got a lot of really relevant, great examples in terms of how companies have used insurance to protect themselves um, and some examples where companies didn't have insurance and some of the consequences that they had to, uh, to suffer through. So I would like to thank all of you for listening to this episode of Secure Talk. Remember, Secure Talk is brought to you by Adequest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and on behalf of Brian, I'd like to thank everybody for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Hello. Welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk.